Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your host, John Gabris, the number one fuck boy. Number one fuck boy. The fuck boy. Another special fancy episode with the fanmen, I believe, as we're calling ourselves now, as we refuse to be considered fanboys. Correct. Since we're in our mm-hmm. mid-30s and up. And uh, <laughs> way this, up. Way up. Some of us way up. <laughs> I'm saying I'm in my early 300s, weight-wise, <laughs> and, and uh, this is episode three of the f- Fanchi, the Fanman spinoff of High and Mighty, and we're talking about episode 403, and in the studio with us is Hoonley, the, for us, <laughs> playing one of the most fun fucking characters on television, yeah. Job. Job, Hoon, thank you for joining thank us. Thank you very one. much. <laughs> and of course, as with me as always, are my fellow fanmen, Sean Conroy. Hello. Ben Rogers. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> We're all a little hungover because we went to the premiere of Banshee last night at uh, and it was rather exciting. Got to drink red wine and talk to Ulrich, so I don't think there's a <laughs> better situation you could be in. Right. Free red wine, no less. Took some of the most unflattering pictures of ourselves on the red carpet. On the red carpet <laughs> with an iPhone because the paparazzi wouldn't take our picture. <laughs> well, the, the funniest part was that there was a woman. T- this woman was taking our picture just as a favor to us, and a friend of hers was leaving, and she was trying to say goodbye to her. And Gabrus was shouting at this woman, going, "We're trying to take a picture. Don't say goodbye right now." <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh, I'm a monster. I'm a monster. (laughs) Enough about us. Let's turn it to Hoon. Uh, We just, we always talk about, when we talk about Banshee, what we talk about when we talk about Banshee is Job. Like, he's such a fun character, a character unlike anyone else on TV, and he's played wonderfully by you. And there is a lot of blowing smoke up each other's asses on this podcast, apparently, but we are, (laughs) and also we compliment one another. (laughs) It's very sincere smoke. Yeah, it's... It's the finest, highest quality smoke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love Job. And we're just curious, what is that like to get, get us kicked off? Just talk about a little bit about playing that character or finding that character or reading the first time you got the script or audition, whatever uh, that was like for you. Oh, man. Well, I, I, when I first got the audition, I, I had never been asked to audition for a character quite like Job. And, and for those people that don't know, Job is a, um, a transvestite criminal computer hacker with a foul mouth and a terrible temper and um i don't think you're alone either i don't think anyone has ever uh, auditioned well you know i had never been asked i mean the the breakdown i think if i'm remembering correctly the breakdown said something like um you know we see a beautiful asian woman we don't realize it's a man until she speaks and i remember calling my agent and being like they know what i look like right (laughs) because i know i know many asian men that make beautiful women and (laughs) i'm not one of them you know and uh and and he seemed as baffled as me. He was like, "They want to see you." So, I'm like, all right, don't play me. Um, I don't think you're a beautiful woman. Yeah, it was like, 
that's always a little unflattered when your agent sends you a, a breakdown. You're like, yeah, every, oh, no, no. They're like, it's a fat pig. You'll like it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in this particular case, they, they seemed really as baffled see as me. Right, they, were, exactly. they were like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, you know. Right, that's another thing. When, when you talk about Job, just it's like saying all that stuff and being a, an Asian character, too. It's like, that's just, there's so many. It's like. The character is just so like nothing you've seen on television, and he I mean, also kicks ass. Like, yeah, but I think you know, I think that's it. sort of a just a that that's just part and parcel of the show. Right. Everybody's you know, kick everybody ass and bash. Yeah, 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 that's a pretty equal opportunity. We <laughs> always joke. Our favorite uh, reveal on the show is when Gordon, who's the mayor, yeah, comes yeah, yeah. In turns out to be. Oh, a of sniper. course, you were a Vietnam yeah. sniper. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just everyone, sugar, sugar. Yeah, well, I'm an ex-boxer. Brock's like, all right, guys, shotgun, strip clubs. It's like every character at, by by season four. It's gonna be like, yeah, I know, I just walked by in the background, but I'm a taekwondo. Yeah, champion. yeah. I mean, it's 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 somewhat the rules of the world, you know. And um, yeah. I think that that's one of those, you know, there's really a fairly thin line separating a show like ours from something like you know, like a Game of Thrones. Right, I mean, right. The context is different but you know the the rules are the the rules for that particular world so yeah like i think we see Cruz in this episode uh uh mm. do who's, who we've learned is just a uh, proctor snitch at this point but then we see her like dismantle a mm-hmm. tune you're like yes yeah, we know yeah, yeah. she's gonna be squaring off against carrie yeah. or somebody yeah. later it's so exciting that's what you love about the show it's like Fuck yes, of course. This uh, in this episode, they have their uh, big they stare. Have their, down. They have a stare off yeah. where you know they're gonna. Oh, because like she thinks she knows about her vigilante yeah. stuff, where she's on to it a little yeah, bit. That's yeah, yeah. This is a great for for those. Of, let's get into right into one uh, four hundred three here. This is Job has been gone. Yeah, and it's a, it's leaving a Job sized hole in my heart. <laughs> trying to watch the show. That great. Uh, we always say on the show too that Banshee has the best cold opens and the best like tags. Yeah, great yeah, yeah. tag to two, episode two when you're like, mm-hmm. "Fuck, thank God he's alive!" Right, I can't wait for them to rescue him. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I've been pretty uh, flattered by all of the the concern out there, and <laughs> you know, on some level, you're kind of like, "Well, you know, the, our show never, our show doesn't leave anything hanging. We right. wrap everything up usually with somebody being killed in a ter- <laughs> terrifying way, but." <laughs> Right, you wouldn't retroactively find out Job is dead. Yeah, we it would wouldn't be just somebody get killed. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of like P.S. Yeah. <laughs> we found out what happened to him. Yeah, just cut to Hood crying over a grave yeah. that says uh, just three letters on yeah, it. Job. R.I.P. R.I.P. Job. Yeah, but you know the uh, the the outpouring of kind of concern and support for it was was you know very heartwarming in that way, and oh, that's so cool. And uh, those scenes were really, I mean, they were. They were tough to film physically, but they the, were the torture stuff. Yeah, I mean, they're they're you're not getting actually tortured, but you're you know you're having to deal with sort of the same sorts of constraints and you know being buckled down for long periods of time and they're trying things out on you to see what hurts, what doesn't hurt. <laughs> Brady with a fire up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's that that was actually really surprisingly pleasant. I guess <laughs> that was like oh, very... just that on camera enema you received. No, I just <laughs> I like a nice strong shower. And it was... <laughs> And, uh, but also, I watched it for the second time today, and, and a realization I had as I was watching it is, for an actor doing that, you're putting so much into yeah. your reactions mm-hmm. to that stuff. That yeah. seems like a hard... It's like Pavlovian. You start to feel like you've been tortured because yeah. you're screaming in pain. Also, uh, we see Joe facial hair. Which is yeah. an exciting. Which is an exciting oh, yeah, twist. Yeah. There are going to be a lot of disappointed people out there. Yeah, I'm going to. I'll put that out there right now. There's like you know just the we were looking at uh, an Adam and John Tropper and and OC were we wanted to bring uh, Job as far away from what we knew as possible right. to show kind of um, the transition, how much time had passed, how much damage had been done, how much had been done to him, and you know there's the appearance is a large part of job and that the fact that he takes so much time with his his external affect and the, his his way of presenting himself to the world so the idea that he had no control over that is is something that reads much more strongly for a character like that than it would for another character yeah um, the beard is literally like oh he job looks unfabulous for right, like the first right. time and you you know that's as bad as being mm-hmm. uh, whatever the uv ray torch yeah, yeah. what is that yeah. banshee's so specific it's like let's hold his eyes open yeah, i always, wonder, I always wonder how the, what the research team is like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. just like uh, you know, there's just like endless sleepless nights yeah. as they just have all this information in and their the head, way that but, they say this was this was invented by somebody yeah, for like, 9/11. For, after yeah. 9/11. Yeah. And, <laughs> it was it too it was too bad. Yeah. Because it was blinding people. Yeah. So we're going to try it on you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um so, so uh 
Job, let's talk about Job. Let's talk about some of our favorite Job moments. Do you have any specific scenes or things you got to do for us as all like uh, actors? I'm sure. putting in quotes because uh, we want to be, but <laughs> <laughs> like you, th- those things were like, oh, I, I, the scene where you're firing like the big heavy machine gun and the guy drops the grenade onto the mu- like, yeah, yeah, that's just like if I could be cast as a guy who shoots a machine gun in one thing that would be so exciting and you get to do so much fun shit. What, what was something for you that stood out as really fun you or? know it's funny because that came in season three so by that time you're you're kind of numb to certain things like you 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 realize it in retrospect but i was doing a tally um just for myself kind of taking accounting of, of what had happened in the show and things i'd been allowed to do and um, you know, I was kind of like, God, I've been very close to a lot of explosions. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. if you don't really think about it, it's like, ah, yeah, I remember that. And yeah, your your own house, like, your yeah, my, own. my the uh, yeah, that was my first explosion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great that's moment a great, too, because yeah, that's that out a great of moment. that's like a tone setting moment that yeah. you don't realize that yeah. early on. That's uh, in you the, know, the that's car in the pilot, right? That's that, in the pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and. Um, I remember specifically asking because we had no, I had no experience with it, and I said, "Is this going to be really loud? What's going to happen?" And they were like, "Well, have you ever heard like a like a garbage dumpster being dropped on the ground?" I was like, "Yeah, it's like it's about like that," and it was so much louder than that. <laughs> it was like exponentially louder than that. Have you ever heard a garbage dumpster explode? Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> from that point forward, I was like, "Ah, I am going to be lied to." So this is good to know for the future. But what's so great about that moment too is not just like, oh, here's this guy blowing up his own house, but that you're that Job does it so almost casually, yeah. like, <laughs> like strutting away from it over his shoulder. Yeah. Just boom. I know just like Yeah, it keeps the catwalk attitude yeah. even yeah. Yeah. doing yeah. all the badass stuff. I mean I, I think the way that they allowed that scene to play out was you know, you're you're especially early on, you're just trying to find you're trying to find your toehold with the character. You don't know the character that well. You don't know how it's going to be edited together. You don't know what decisions are going to be made that are out of your hands. So when it kind of came together and in the process of doing it, the idea that he was somewhat playing possum when he was being beaten up is hugely informative to this character. And it actually allows us to both sort of play with the stereotypes that people have grown accustomed to with in terms of a, a feminized man or something like that and also explode them at the same time you know and uh, that was really key as we kept working through the character you brought up actually for example this is something i feel more comfortable talking about now that the show's ending but um you know for example the fact that job's asian is almost never referenced right and um uh and in particular the relationship between job and hood is special to me because Hood is never comments on his affect. He never comments on anything about him. As a matter um, of fact, I was rewatching just to interrupt you briefly. I was rewatching yeah. some earlier uh, Job stuff, and when you're doing the burlesque show or mm-hmm. whatever uh, that cabaret show, it's one of the few times you see Hood genuinely smiling. He's like watching you, mm-hmm. and he's like kind of clapping, and you're like. You don't see Hood happy almost ever on the show, no. unfortunately. Yeah. And it was a moment where he's just like, this is a fun show, isn't it? Like he brings a, like a woman's <laughs> like, you know where all the cool stuff yeah, happens, yeah. huh? And it's like, that, and that's a great, that's an insane moment that that, that your character is firing machine guns, be, being in explosions, yeah. and getting to do cabaret. I always saw you as Hood's parent almost, like a, like a mother figure. I, I thought it was very much like... Um, you know, he's a, he, a very much like a sibling relationship, um, and the the roles kind of alternate. You know, and I, I have friends like that. I'm sure, most of us do. There are people that kind of alternate in Between their relationship being your big to brother you, and like, your little brother, yeah, depending in, in, on in times like that. And uh, we tried to be very specific about their relationship because chronologically, they've actually known each other the longest out of everybody in the show. Greg is um, predates uh, prison and predates, predates prison, predates Anna, predates yeah. all of this. So. Uh, the fact that Hood never comments on his affect is um, part of that because that any issue he would have had with that was years and years and years and years ago. Right. So it wouldn't, wouldn't make sense for him to comment on it now. Whereas you see it with Sugar, where Sugar will which, kind which of comment on it. Which is another great relationship. That dynamic yes. on the right. show is sugar. It's so, so fun. Right. Yeah. And, and so you see like a new deep friendship forming, but it's still early. Yeah. So you kind of get this contrast and, and sugar, it allows us to yeah, show that. Sugar's you know? just so like... Just you could imagine what, like, aback. a sixty-year-old African American who works in a small town bar, how he would feel. Like that is yeah. like 
uh, City Mouse, Country Mouse. Uh, that's the spinoff I would most like to see happen. Is I, would, just I would do that in Job and Sugar, like Odd Couple, yeah. roommates. The buddy comedy. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. when the stealing of the ID card scene, whatever. I, I oh, think yeah, that's yeah, season yeah. three. Oh, that's so yeah. That whole thing is like when he's like, why did I have to wear a suit? Yeah, it's like, because yeah, yeah. there ain't no sweatpants Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Frankie and I get along very well. We, we always have since the show started. And I think that they, um, you know, they fastened onto that pretty quickly as well, and they, it, it became this sort of feedback loop where we were able yeah, to keep it's great, building. It's on like it. they give each other shit the way people that exactly. are friends in real life yeah. give each other shit. You know? But there's this great thing about you know when Hood first walks into Banshee, and there's a recognition on Sugar's part that he's an ex-con. Like they they right? know each other, <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And that happens with Job and Sugar too. They you know people that are somewhat of a like breed, yeah. Sort of find each other quickly in this world yeah there's like that unspoken thing of like we all carry ourselves a certain way it looks like we all Mm -hmm. are criminals in some capacity yeah exactly (laughs) and then Job does the thing where what is it the guy is ripping sugar off because of who he yeah 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 the uh, boxer and Job goes and gets his money back for him and (laughs) figures out on his computer what's going on I mean Job doesn't for all of the complaining Job does about money he doesn't he can get money whenever he wants. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty clear. So it, it's funny. It's like he doesn't want the money. He wants the status of winning in a weird way. I feel like that's what like for Job. It's more like it's like it seems like it's like a video game where he's like, I just want to have all the credits I can have. Well, there's I think there's some you know there's I, I know a bunch of people in tech that work in technology and there's you know there's a there's a pride factor in doing a certain kind of work and in, in having. Uh, a certain level of skill, <laughs> that sort of thing. But I think also he's an incredibly loyal person when you look at him. Um, he doesn't have a lot of friends, and the people that he's friends with he are family. And even people like Carrie, who he has big problems with, legitimate problems with, they're still family. They're still... Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're they're of a like kind, and everybody else is everybody else. You know, yeah, they for, don't really count for a that show way. that has like some of the best violence and explosions and fighting. I could watch <laughs> the four of them sit in the bar and just argue and talk for a, a full hour, ep- like a bottle episode where everyone's just hanging out drinking Jameson, which I guess is everyone's favorite drink in Banshee. At least I, I always assumed we had some sort of weird sponsor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think although, that's just what we had. I thought it was an eighteen-year-old bottle of Glenlivet. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah. We, we've upgraded this season. <laughs> yes. I've been. I'm We're like, you don't have that in Banshee. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been robbed day yeah. one if someone found out you had a $40 bottle of yeah, booze yeah. or above. Right. The cars that was, get that was nicer, the guns get bigger. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right, the Maybach. Yeah, <laughs> the God. Maybach, and then Sugar's fucking dope-ass oh, muscle right, car. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a, uh, I, I'm curious, so you said before about the uh, the explosion in the house being, yeah, yeah. And, and, and playing possum and how much mm-hmm. that was informative for building the character. Yeah, do, yeah. Do you, can you remember any other moments like that that you found along the way that you found really added on and helped you kind of find Job early on? Yeah, you know, actually in reading the early scripts, one thing that started to jump out was um, uh, it. there's a natural... There's a natural rhythm that that Tropper has when he writes, and Tropper has handled the you know the vast majority of the Job material. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he's how conscious he is of it, um, but I noticed that there were certain patterns that were starting to emerge. And so early on, even in the first season, um, you know, Job might talk when he's talking to someone, he might call them sugar or baby or whatever, and um, or he calls a motherfucker a lot, you know, and that sort of thing. But we and I love he calls women sister. It's yeah, so yeah. Awesome. yeah. But there's this. Um, there ended up being kind of a specificity to it, which I I, I was a little surprised to find, but I thought it was pretty clear. And um, so I tried to um, I asked permission to sort of really make that as clear as possible for mm. myself. So throughout the series, the word baby is really only reserved for Hood. It's it's his term ah, of endearment yeah. for Hood. Um, he doesn't really call anybody else that, uh, and he rarely curses at Hood. And this is the—I think there's maybe two or three moments in the series where he kind of curses at him. Um, there's a huge amount of respect that he pays him um, that he doesn't pay anybody else. And that again, it's these sort of ways that you you use the tools that you're you're allowed to have to sort of build some sort of infrastructure for yourself mm-hmm. about how you're going to respond to people. Um, and so that that sort of stuff kind of leapt out early. So I wouldn't say it was a particular moment, but yeah. you start to see a pattern emerge about how uh, people behave. Um, and then you're able to 
internalize that and make mm-hmm. be like, hey, in this moment, we should hit that pattern again. Right, like, right. Well, as as an actor, you can make those choices. That it gives you a way to. It gives you something to hang on to when you you're not sure what to do. Yeah. You know, like I'm not sure how to play this scene, or I'm not sure how to um, rhythmically sort of like measure these beats out. And then you have this sort of playbook. Of okay, these are the things I know about these characters. Yeah, and, and I know this is my dynamic with Hood. I know right. it's my dynamic. So let me build it from there. And so, like with Sugar, it's it's real banter, you know, and, and all the things you think about from you know screwball comedies on. <laughs> you think about that, and you're like, so it's important if the scene is unbalanced. If uh, Job is just yelling at Sugar, it doesn't work. If Sugar doesn't get him back in some way, it doesn't yeah. work. So there's that scene in the bar where like um, this is a, that's actually more to your point where. Uh, you know, he's doing the cash machine. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this is pissing Job off. <laughs> the noise. To uh, no yeah. end, right? <laughs> but you'll notice, like, in that scene, <clears throat> even though Job is kind of giving him these verbal zingers, like like watching the History Channel or whatever it may be, you know, it's really Sugar who has the last laugh because he punches the machine one last time in the scene. <laughs> so even though it's not verbal, Sugar has ways to get back at him. Right. And it's that sort of back and forth that ends up becoming important in the relationship. So if you... If you see it and the scene doesn't quite have that, you might ask for it. Or you might, um, you know, if you see an imbalance there, maybe you trim a little bit of what you're doing so that you can kind of keep that balance, but uh, that ball kind of bouncing between the two of you. And that sort of stuff is, that's hugely fun for me because, you know, I have fortunate enough to get along with the cast very well. So then you feel like you're kind of playing a team sport. And that's that's always more fun for me, you know, like. Do you turn on because you found such a great voice for I was Joe? About that too, yeah. where, the, where does the voice come from? <laughs> yeah, what was the the process like of finding that voice? You How know, a lot did of it, it happen? A lot of it came out right away, just in the initial audition. Uh-huh. And I, 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 I'm flattered people give me that. Because it's credit. clearly not your voice, right? Right. And you're great with dialects. I think your work on Bosch was also really great. Oh, thanks. <laughs> like I, I was like, oh wow, Job, and uh, such a great different clear character that <laughs> you added you. in that. Um, yeah, it's... when you're on set, do you keep talking as Job, no. or okay, you, no. you can turn it on and off? Well, I, you're not Daniel Day Lewising all your cast. <laughs> like... That would be the least. That would be like the. I would be the least popular. <laughs> <laughs> like, Job works in the world of Banshee. That would be, and everyone, everyone, like you know, in social media, they was like, oh, I want a friend like Job. It's like you don't want a friend like Job. You really, <laughs> guy's incredibly judgmental. You know, like. <laughs> Like in a terrible way, and might cut. And you. he has all of your passwords. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah. You, you do want someone as as loyal as him. Obviously, these sorts of things. But you know, the, the heightened reality of the show is not anything like real life. So you don't yeah. really want these people walking around. Are you murderers. telling me that hackers can't open select windows or doors from complete <laughs> distance? That's like one of my favorite uh, things. It's like. Hood, turn to your left. The door is now open. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love them. Like, like all locks have electric, (laughs) uh, are like smart locks. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, this is the thing that's interesting. It's you know when you're dealing with these sorts of genres, those conventions end up being part of. You know, I I think about it like a pop song or a rock song, something like that, where like everybody knows the chorus is Mm. coming. Right. That's part of the enjoyment. Like that's built to the chorus. Certainly, what we get out of it. We sort of mentioned it to. Targum, uh, we said the word trope, and he yeah, got yeah. and he got all frustrated. We're, and he was like, "It's a positive thing." We're like, "No, no, we." Yeah. I love the moment when the hero decides to cut his beard and mm-hmm. uh, shave his head and get back to mm-hmm. business. I love guys uh, and gals, uh, you know, like over. Uh, uh, like accentuating loading weapons. Yeah. I love. <laughs> I'm into the mainframe. Like yeah. I love Every all team those needs a. A guy who has Job's role, right? right like, right. um, like Emilio Estevez in Mission Impossible, like yes. somebody right, right, right. who's at the computer telling everybody, "Where am I going now?" Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's uh, um, great, great Job moment. I, I, I recently saw was uh, the one where you're like. Uh, do you want to know where I am? And you're like at like Seaside, New Jersey or something like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. And, you're like the, and the girl walks by and she goes, is that a cape? And you're like, it's Diane Von Furstenberg, Chica. Go get pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. She's like, hey. She's like 17. It's such an awesome moment in that. it's You're dressed like a, uh, what's the... Um, the famous uh, black and white Fellini movie or whatever you're dressed like in like Eight a big half. yeah you're dressed in like that cloak yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah. like nun's garb mm-hmm. it's so funny that whole moment is awesome yeah I mean that that's what I mean though there's a lot of um, people give me uh, too much credit in terms of determining the voice of Job I think so much of that is in the writing so much right. of it is in the bounce mm-hmm. of the rhythm of the writing and then um, 
and was present there in season one and season two in particular. And from there, you can kind of extrapolate. It was easier to make, it was easier to make the rest of it your own and to uh, play off of what was given to you by the other cast members and things like that. But I felt like it was kind of there. And other things too that, you know, you might focus on sort of the attitude, but really for me, my first audition, my audition scene and the first scene I shot was um, the fight in the diner with these rednecks. Oh. That was a great moment. Got a narc on a sister. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that line. And that was like a, I mean, that was one of the first things I did and I'm like trying to navigate heels and... (laughs) And women's clothing for the first time, and a butterfly knife, and then I'm, I'm doing a stunt fight for the first time, which I've never really done. That... I ended up cutting like one of the stunt guys' heads, and he was like, "I'm fine." I'm like, "All right, that's You're li- I was fighting, the job. but okay." You know, and uh, so there were all of these moving parts for um, someone who had had no experience with this. Um, but the thing I was like for the audition and for that scene, the thing I was focusing on, the thing that I felt I could access was this is a person who <laughs> literally in the midst of helping his friend in a critical situation. All right, because Hood's yeah, on the other line. He's, he's, like, he's uh, trapped in, a, you know, in, this, in this museum. <laughs> he's going to take a moment to go and handle these people. Because he doesn't take shit. Yeah, and it's like, how, like, who is that person that's going to do that, knowing also that he has this incredibly strong tie to this other person? Like, his own need to deal with his rage it's going to take precedence in this moment but also a certain level of confidence that he can take care of it that in it 30 seconds and yeah. also a certain level of confidence in hood knowing yeah. hey we're, look you're a badass i'm a badass you're going to be okay right, i'm, right. I'm handling and so those yeah. things start to kind of tell you who this person is um sort of like with negative space like what does he choose not to do right he doesn't choose to ignore it and just deal with the problem at hand he decides this won't take long and goes and deals with it, you know? So you have this sort of understanding, but also this sense that, um, you know, so for that moment, it's like, he's got to be so enraged or something in, in, you know, put into such a place that he's going to make that call. Uh, so I wanted to play against it, like make him as calm as possible in that moment and show that this is someone who maybe is the way he is because he has to be. Like, he has to be controlled. Well, you feel like, I mean, you know, unfortunately somebody like that probably has had to deal with stuff like that on a regular basis throughout their life. Right. You look at a person that's so meticulously constructed Mm -hmm. and has chosen to put that out there to the world. You know, I, I always thought of him less like putting on some sort of an affect and more like he just decides to externalize however he feels on any given day. Yeah, I think the you first um, big uh, you know outfit change for Job told a lot about the character to me because yeah. oh he doesn't dress one certain way. Yeah, when you see him in a wildly different mm-hmm. getup in another scene, it's like oh wow this guy's on a whole another level. Right. Like this is like his personality. <laughs> yeah, there's like one when you're in like a, a corset. There's one yeah. like you know, mm-hmm. and it's like and it all feels like he's like this is what is needs for today. In yeah, a weird way. Has, yeah, like yeah. leopard print mm-hmm. painted on his head. Sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> that's an awesome look too. So that it's funny you said you, you mentioned uh, having never done uh, a fight. I was curious. In your career, have you done fight choreography or dressing like or uh, no? no. I mean, I hadn't done either, and um, I learned a lot about I learned a lot about myself in this show. (laughs) I learned a lot about uh, you know the things that were enjoyable about it, and and I found that I I really enjoyed the physical side of the show um, because I found it like it was another opportunity to to look at character, and so. Like, I worked pretty closely with the stunt team um, because I'm old and things are broken. And so, you, like, I need as much time as I would constantly grill Tropper. be like, if you have a fight coming up for me, give me as much notice as possible. I need to stretch for months. I need to drink a lot of water. <laughs> there has to be a lot of mental preparation. Um, but, you know, you, you start to see these things that emerge. And, um, you know, knowing that he was a guy that was close to Hood, one thing you see with Hood right away is that Hood is very much in the mode of a gladiator. And that's why I've always seen him, which is all of his fights, almost all of his fights, it's a man entering an arena. He's surrounded by a circle of men. He's in a cage. He steps out into that. And that's a very, like, you know, it's incredibly uber-masculine kind of combat situation. And so I was like, I want to do something else. Like, I want to create a contrast to that. So we would talk to the stunt team and be like, I think Job is always trying to escape. 
he's always trying to get out of the circle, right? Uh. And so that so even in the uh, second season when he's you know runs into all of Rabbit's men um, and the priest's men, he leaves the church. Essentially, that's one long flight out of the church that's essentially what it is right and so all the combat is incidental to him it's just what has you have yeah he has to get out um so even when it's mano a mano it's a lot of breaking down problems which i thought made sense for the character so um and it is like a programmer's approach to the situation in a way too where it's like here's our end goal whatever bugs we hit along the way we will break out but we're trying to build this whatever uh, i mean you look at hood and the thing i think that's so heroic about the hood character is that Hood is like driven by this sort of ferocity, this uh, this this uh, relentlessness. He does not give up. You know, he he does not stop. You know, and he's kind of at the heart of it, though. For most of the time, it's like this. It's usually a core of of love. Weirdly, like he's fighting for someone. Yeah. Right. And um, it's similar in that way to Carrie and Anna. You know that 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 fighting style. But I thought you know Job should be outmatched a lot. Like he's not he's not like them. You know, so. His asset is his brain, you know. So in the fight itself, again, this is stuff that's largely for us to kind of create a structure to understand what's happening out of a vacuum sometimes. <laughs> um, but for the working with the stunt team, I, we would often talk about it like, let's create a problem he has to solve in the fight. So uh-huh. in uh, Genoa, when he's fighting um, Colonel Stowe's right-hand man, you know, this guy Mark who's phenomenal, you know, martial artist. And, you know, like I think he was a two-time... Taekwondo karate champion at one point. But we knew he had great kicks. Like, we knew he was a great kicker. Um, and that's what the stunt guys told me going into it. So I was like, let's use that. Let's exploit that. And maybe he's just going to destroy Joe because he has two fights with this guy. Um, right. And in the first fight, I'm like, let's have him destroy him with his legs. Just like he cannot get close. That kind of made sense because a lot of what we had played with with Joe before is grappling. It's kind of like yeah, jiu-jitsu kind of like type thing. Yeah. You know, again, which makes sense. He's kind of like using mm-hmm. his smaller size against bigger opponents, those sorts of things. So I'm like, so he can't get close. So this leg is just coming out and just taking him down and taking him down. And I said, and so that's the problem he has to figure out. So in the second fight, we set that up again. He starts kicking him again. And then Joe starts to figure out how to take the leg away. Yeah. So he takes the belt off, so he has reached. Right. He, he wraps the ankle up so he can do that, and then he goes at the knee. So now this guy has to go to something else, and now he goes to a knife, but that brings him closer. So now Job has a shot because he's better in his wheelhouse. Level the plan. Oh, that's yeah. so awesome. So that was just like you start thinking about, okay, how can this movement inform what I understand about this person, you know? And for uh, and so, you know, it's often done in contrast. Like, so I, I saw what was happening with Hood, I was like, we should find a different thing to do, um, so that there's more variety in what in how we think about the combat. Yeah, we we mentioned at the Chopper that one of the fun things about Banshee is that yeah, there's awesome fight scenes, but they're oh, it's always like it's not all martial arts. It's sometimes mm-hmm. brawling, it's sometimes weapons, sometimes bl- blunt weapons, mm-hmm. sometimes guns, or there's full on like seven guys with machine guns versus seven guys with machine guns. Mm-hmm. And, it's and there's like, also always tremendous attention to detail, even with it, like that that you might not even necessarily notice. No, yeah, unless yeah. you're looking for it. Yeah, yeah, like the stuff you're talking about. If somebody was just watching the show. They wouldn't necessarily go. Oh, I see what's going no, on. No, no, but it inf- it informs the atmosphere. Somehow. Well, I mean, I'm a firm believer that even if it's not, <clears throat> even if those specific points aren't detectable by the person, no, it, who's it definitely it, makes a difference. It changes your performance, yeah. and yeah. so it, you're bringing something more to it. You know, and if you're having a fight scene where, um, and even if it's just for me, if I'm if I need to process something as I'm having this fight, that's different from being in, a, in an animal primal place. Right. Those are different impulses to act And you got to right? play those two different ways. And you ways. play those different ways. Yeah. Uh-huh. So there are moments where, you know, one thing that um, uh, I remember there's a prison fight that uh, Ivana had. And there's a couple shots where she's just like letting her pure, like her pure Eastern European rage, <laughs> like it just comes out. And it's so it's thrilling, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, you start to see the places where she intersects rabbit or where she intersects hood yeah and the places where they're in common in these moments and uh that ends up being these 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 sorts of linchpins that you can kind of can start to string a connection between and ant has this you know his face is unbelievably expressive and so in these fights you see him just battered to a pulp 
And then there's this moment where his eyes just like turn on and you're like, it's on, you know, yeah. like it's is, like his version of Burton's taking his glasses. Yeah. Off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we say that we, we say, we said it a few times here. We'll say it again. Anthony has like the best watery eye look in the business, <laughs> you know, like where he looks like when he gets a little upset or a real, and his eyes just like, he's, they're like oceans. And then he just all of a sudden it glimmers a little bit and you're like, is hood sad? Yeah. And you're like, no, he's pissed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty great to see the results of, um, the care and attention that people that you know my your, my colleagues put into it you know I'm a huge fan of them and yeah. uh, makes you step up your game yeah, too, in a yeah way. absolutely yeah. and everyone worked really really hard you know that's I feel like we can walk away from the show whether people liked it or not whether people you know however they felt about it I feel like we left everything out on the table like we left everything on the field and um and that's like the best you can hope for sometimes, you know. Um, we, we've talked about this, uh, the show, in terms of its relationship to sort of the the action movies that we yeah, yeah, yeah. grew up on, mm-hmm. which were super fun, but there's a whole other level to... Because a lot of times in those action movies, the action sort of seems all the same. Like it's, you know... <laughs> yeah. and, and what's fun about this show is that it's kind of taking that action and going like there's another... There's another way to do it, and there's you know, and that's kind of well. What... We have this advantage by doing multiple seasons in TV, which is, um, you know, for me, the heart of Banshee is family. For me, it's always been family, and it's kind of wrapped up in this action movie jacket, right? But if you look at what happens, it's like this guy gets out of prison, looks for the love of his life. She's married to another man who's raising his daughter. Um, he, we find out later, he's bought a house for them to live in, mm-hmm. you know, that's in this locket. It's this incredibly, like, it's all about heart. And then who does he fall in? He falls in with a group of people that are also similarly sort of orphaned in the world. Proctor is excommunicated from his family, takes in his niece, is just trying to find this connection. Gordon, he's the other man. Like, everything, Rabbit is the big bad. He's just trying to get his daughter back. Right. You know, like, there's that thread of it, if you can... Because we have the time to explore that, it gives, we hope that it gives the action more meaning because it's not just, it's not just a bunch of movement for the sake of movement. People are swinging at each other because they have something at stake. And uh, for me, it's like, uh, that's what I think people have, I hope that's what people have latched onto. The people that really enjoy the show, they enjoy it so much and they, they enjoy the fun of it, but they they do feel attached to it, and I I like to think that that's part of it. That there's some sense that they they tap into that sense of you know everyone is trying to find a family in this in this world, and everyone is kind of being denied their family in this world, which is a terrible terrible thing. I'm hope I'm hoping. I mean, I don't know if this is really going to happen, but I'm hoping the finale ends with the whole cast singing Rainbow Connection together, <laughs> <laughs> covered in blood, <laughs> firing rounds yeah. off. <laughs> Yeah, it's just terrible. It's like the most horrifying. Yeah, it's in somebody's mind, and they've got a spike through their mouth. And yeah, it's it also great. I think we undoes everything we like about. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like the anti Roseanne ending. Yeah. Well, it is also one of those things too, where like it's a difference between like if we're comparing this to the action movies, it's a difference between trying to teach a karate master how to act versus having actors uh, learn to execute do stunts. A- execute yeah. stunts. Because then when for the other 37 minutes of the episode that isn't action the set pieces you can yeah, you, you're yeah. not Listen. listening to guys who doesn't even sound like English is their first language yeah. you know yeah. well, and actually in the movies we grew up on most of those guys English wasn't their first language <laughs> I mean I think we, we we really tried to have our cake and eat it too you know and um, I mean Ant and Ant in particular the demands on him were very very high um, physically and just mentally because he was working so many hours in, in very trying situations. He got his lips split open day one, right? <laughs> like close to the first take, I think if not the first take, it really kind of and, sets the tone, you know? Um, and, and he's you know, just like looking, calling his agent that night. Hey, uh, no. And he set the tone too. He's like, let's, me? <laughs> he's like, let's keep shooting. I mean, he set the tone too. It was That's like, awesome. and I heard about that remotely. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. It was crazy to learn that Anthony had no, like, he's not a fighter, like, not a previously a fighter. We got very lucky. I mean, we got very lucky in the sense, in two ways. We have coordinated people that that actually, and, and sometimes, um, you know, you will, you come to understand that that's not always the case. Um, like, just that an actor isn't necessarily 
uh, yeah. coordinated. Yeah, like, or, or they're maybe good in a very specific way. Like, they can play basketball, but if you ask them to throw a punch, they're lost, you know. And right. uh, we had a core group of people that were all very coordinated, which was really helpful. But then we also had a stunt team that I think, you know, really went above and beyond. They basically had, like, an open gym policy. They They pretty much kept their door open. And if anyone wanted to train at any time, you could. Um, and for someone like myself that, uh, didn't feel terribly secure about my knowledge in those things, that was a huge asset, if only to build confidence, mm-hmm. you know, if only to say that I could walk into the, into the day of shooting, knowing we had a big day ahead of us and I could worry about the acting part. Knowing that you were ready for the physical part. Yeah, that at least I wouldn't hold us back in that way. If there was something that really required a stunt double to go, then that's what they're going to do, and I don't have any issue with that. But knowing that my mind wasn't occupied by that. that yeah, I like it's hard enough just to else. memorize lines. It's hard enough just right. to get the, find the emotional core of the scene. All that stuff is hard. Mm-hmm. Then on top of it, if you're standing on a pickup truck driving backwards, it's right, like, right. holy shit, I better be ready. <laughs> you know, and this is a sort of show where we're trying to pack a lot into it and we're working with, um, you know, the, the traditional constraints of television and striving for something more. And uh, if that's the case, then you're like, where are the efficiencies that we can gain? What can we try to do? And one of them is like, as prepared as we can be. You know, if you're going to do a fight scene and you have the ability to do it in three takes versus 10 takes, you're helping everybody. You're helping yourself because you're not getting more tired. It's also always frustrating when you see actors doing anything physical on screen and it's clear that they have no idea what they're doing. Like right. It takes you out. Like if you think about Someone like Leonardo DiCaprio in basketball diaries yeah. playing basketball, you're like, oh, he never touched a basketball before in his life. You know? On set was the first time he ever did it. So 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 you guys were able to like pull that off in yeah. a way that never took you out of the show as you're watching. Well I mean I think if you again if you like uh you know um Later on in, in the show, Matty Roush comes forward, Matt Servito comes forward in more combat-oriented roles. Right. And, you know, those were things that um, there was a lot of demand placed on them. And so to be able to do it um, was great. But it was also at that point, it was, you know, people had gotten to know each other. You kind of understand each other's capabilities a bit more. You understand what's ready, what's, what's available to you. But, you know, from day one, if... Ant hadn't been able to not only throw a punch, but sell the effort of it and sell the cost of it, um, which is really what's important about it. Throw, throw a punch and take about 11 and take at the same time. Yeah. Right Ten for everyone. Ten you know? for everyone, that poor guy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you talk about action movies. One of the things that really takes me out is like someone gets punched and then they're like, poof, and then they come right back with a, right. a strong right. It didn't you hurt know? them at all. Yeah. I mean, some of some of the stuff that they, they the stunt guys we'd go over a lot of that training is about reaction. It's about mm-hmm. how do you take the punch? What does your body do? How do you go limp? How do you like all of these things? Yeah. I love uh Banshee sometimes does the POV of a guy of someone in mid fight and it's like blurry vision. And yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh, that's gotta be fucking so awful. Yeah. Right. They They're like that... barely can see like the loud ringing, you know, like that, like, uh, um, what's the uh, Spielberg uh, Saving Private Ryan moment yeah. where it's like yeah, yeah, there's the no tinnitus. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, they had that moment in 403 when they're uh, trying to find out where Job is yeah. and they're beating that guy in the bar Leo. and uh, Carrie punches him in the face and then you see from his POV he looks up and it's all blurry. And really... <laughs> yeah. That's a great moment. That I love that scene because uh, it's just so frank when he's like, she hits very hard. <laughs> I, I hit, hit harder. harder. <laughs> Yeah, it's just yeah. that's a funny thing for like those for a couple to be disc- like you know that like because of their long relationship they know how hard each other is right, like right, that's such right. a funny specific yeah I, it's and Dennis Flanagan who plays Leo I mean he it was it's great to find people who work so well with the ensemble you know who come in as because these guys drop you guys are all living for six months in exactly. North Carolina or Pittsburgh yeah. training together shooting together long hours mm-hmm. not nope often people don't have their families on location like that so we're just everyone is just hanging out with each other and then you got to fly there drop in and drop fight in. three of the guys yeah. you've never three yeah. guys or gals that you've never met before everybody's yeah. really tight yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that character also is another great example of the banshee thing where it's like he's a military contractor but he's also a professor of internet ethics <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a great reveal that was a yeah. great and uh, great oh so let's just let's talk about 403 for a little bit because there's oh, a lot sure. of great moments that 
chasing that one awesome. or through this up, uh, all the way up to fat Al. hitting fat Al is also a, a house favorite character on yeah. this but, but of course yeah. <laughs> again fat. just like banshee yeah. just like <laughs> a giant black asian guy <laughs> he's in ahead of a chinese gang yep um that whole sequence is so exciting and the thing we talk about the most with this episode is that it's any other show season four would be Let's rescue Job. Right. One one whole episode would get you to Leo, who would give you a piece of information. The next whole episode would be about Job at the black site. In this show, it's like, we found Job. He's at a black site. All right, 11 minutes later, Job is rescued. Everybody's dead. Two main characters who you think might be villains. Like, the, the fact that the torture is iced immediately is mm-hmm. so fun. Yeah, I, I mean, also you so could easily been the vi- villain moment. for the whole season. Right, yeah. that could have been what we deal with. They're black ops, like, insane, like, torture and stuff and it's like no they're gone we're done yeah. but Leo lives which is uh, a little exciting and yeah. he's got the money yeah yeah yeah. and Leo's I mean again uh, Eddie Cooper who plays Fat Al and, uh, and Dennis you know I, I worked with them in various capacities Job is a very limited character in that sense he doesn't have a lot of interaction with the primary ensemble um, so even though I know them personally well and we're friends I'm sometimes personally frustrated because I don't really get to play with them you know right right um, but to have people that come in like Dennis and Eddie and they they are just incredible actors but also great people and so you you feel you can trust them uh, implicitly you know and you're dealing with scenes that are fairly freighted you know in, in and uh, you have to lean on these these people that aren't part of the core group to try to get your work done. And when they're just they just show up and they're ready to go, that's such a great thing. Um, uh, Job getting injected that's a great moment too. Oh, I've built up an immunity to poison. That's why I doubled the dose. Uh, like it's <laughs> like uh, just two. That's like uh, Vizzini and Inigo Montoya. Like I've already developed a tolerance yeah. to poison. Or it's just a great moment of like Job is one step ahead of you, but this guy had to get two steps ahead of Job, to knowing get- that Job would be one step <laughs> exactly. ahead. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> such an interesting. And you know, again, it's that sort of like you're saying. There's. There's a little bit extra to layer in there. The fact that he's like a fan of jokes is, is right, a little yeah. bit more than just he needs information for money. And and I feel like oftentimes that's enough just to to get you that small extra thing that a that an actor can hook into. You know that means something to them. Yeah, you know? it's like his it's his biggest rival, his uh, idol, his and, idol. Yeah, and it's yeah. Like, so what and, does it mean to take him down? It means something quite complex, actually. Right. right? Yeah, it's it's good. Look what I did, but also I can't believe this. Yeah. It's, uh, no longer infallible. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's also it's, funny it's, that there's two scenes with them walking past each other that mm-hmm. are so significant. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the first one where he captures him, and the second one where there's he's a lot of echo, echoes of things that go on now, and we're kind of talking. About it. We were like, this is this is the season for a lot of uh, porch confessionals. This season, it's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things happening on a porch. Um, yeah, but there's a excuse me. You know, these things end up kind of showing up. There's this great scene. I I thought where the um, uh, Lucas is returning to talk to Carrie for the first time since he's been away, and the gate to her house slides open, and it's exactly like the gates to prison opening up right. in, in the first episode. Like this is a man that's watched Bard, you know, his, his obstruction, obstruction to his path, his whole life, you know, and these, these bars that are constantly in front of him. And, and what does that mean to him? And, um, you know, it's a and the whole first point. part of the conversation is through the bars, through the bars. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, here we are again, mm-hmm. you know, it's been years and look at how little has changed. It's, it's, it's this sort of thing that again, it's a payoff for people that, choose to invest you know um beyond that point and i'm glad that they you know they have that moment they, they keep it on ant's face yeah. to, to see those bars go by and i'm glad they did that you know that that sort of thing it sort of honors the character and, and, and honors the work he put into it another great joe moment in 403 is the first time he says let's get the fuck out like yeah. when you're so worried that he's a i mean and we're we're gonna. I think he is pretty broken at this point. But when you feel that flash of Job, when he's a little sassy in that moment, 
It was so such a relief. I was like, oh, thank God. Because yeah. I, I feel yeah, like he's not totally crushed. Yeah, he's not yeah. totally crushed, and because the, the stuff you love about him will still be there. Which that moment, and then when you, uh, when he's like, you brought me from that hellhole to this dump, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just to, to take a shot at sugar when he's barely back to yeah, life yeah, is yeah, such yeah. a such a great. And moment. then he, and that's a good example of you saying that you call Luca. He says, "You heartless baby." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we have a character that. One we one thing we talked about, for example, is um, you know that was a, I think a really great point for me uh, that was in the script. That's in the script. You know, again, it's a it's a cue that's right there for you. Is um, Job doesn't speak until he sees Lucas. You don't hear him say words, uh, and this is a character that's hyperverbal. You know, oh, yeah. so when does he feel safe? Is is really the time when he can speak? So you've got to be thinking on some level. He hasn't been talking for two years. You know, like there's some sense that for someone who is so verbal, who uses words as a mechanism to do so many things. And specifically, these guys wanted you to and talk. And want me to talk. And like, you. what does it mean to talk? Right. You know, especially for a character like that. You know, it would be a different thing for someone like Burton, you know, who's yeah. mostly mute. Right. You know, but for him to not talk. So it became this sort of thing where I think at one point there was a draft where something was said to... Um, maybe one of the captors during that sequence. And um, I was like, we, we kind of looked at that scene and I brought that potential point up. Like, do you think maybe we could not have this happen? And they were like, yeah, let's do that. Let's, and then so that became a, a talking point further on. It's like, okay, so maybe then it's really much more significant when he sees Lucas. Like, what does it mean for him to say something? Um, I love that moment when when they see each other. And like even... It- Anthony does the got the ice blue water eye happens at that moment when he yeah. sees Joe for the first time. I'm like, this is more exciting reunion than any other romance on the show or anything. Like I, this is what I care about more than anyone getting back together with wives, girlfriends. Uh, Siobhan, sorry. I, like I'm just, <laughs> I'm, this is the one. This is the reunion I've been waiting for. As you a know, fan. and I I feel like uh, one of the things that's po- that's been like kind of a watch sort of a. And I know, like a pole star for me in this is that, you know, for a group of people that are about families torn apart, about being alone, it's like the family that matters is the family you make. It's the family you choose, right? So, and the only thing that connects those things are decisions to make the choice for that other person, right? Which is why it's such a betrayal in some people's minds that Hood gave up, right? In like in the minds of Sugar or in the minds of Carrie, but. It's why Job and Hood's relationship is so important because they don't really have anything that's actually tying them together except their history and their choice to be with one another, right? So if you, if any person in that relationship decides they're not going to make that choice anymore, that is gone. Everything is gone, right? It, you don't have the tie of blood. You don't have the tie of children. You don't have the tie of, of legal marriage or whatever. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. you have you. It's only choice. Well, know? and it's it's also amazing an amazing moment too because it's like Job knows that and feels that he's also not going to let them off the hook necessarily you know because he says the thing about like next time you can tell me why it took Mm -hmm. 20 months but he's still (laughs) so relieved to be back there yeah yeah you know yeah and I, I think there was also a sense of you know one of the questions during that episode is like what is it what do you do in a situation like that how do you react like everybody is confronted with this reality that is just there everybody knows it it's, there's no secret you know they're the ones who got it they know where the what he where he was they know what he's been through and there was a sense to me of like how much is he able to put up a front how much should he put up a front and what does that mean for someone where the audience has mem- maybe only seen the front mm-hmm. you know what i mean and you know the, these become questions you kind of keep picking at over the course of the season and try to find some some sort of um, resolution as quickly as possible yeah. <laughs> you know to- shooting schedules but you know <laughs> but like you know, it also it, it's it's extra heartbreaking because of what sugar says in i think it's episode one right where he says uh, i hope he is dead right so i'd feel right. less bad and then when right. he's alive everyone's like fuck we just went about our lives for about 16 months or whatever it's hard to we all well, we, Car- carrie kept looking carrie kept looking yeah, oh that's a map. great the that's crazy a map. great moment that's a great and uh, that's just what, another thing i love about banshee banshee will 
will set you up like we'll never find him. He's dead. You, Carrie's like, look, I've tried all these dead ends, and then Fat Sal's like, I gotta wait. <laughs> I think I got a hook, and everyone's like, yes. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, to shout Fat Sal out again, he's like, you think I'm the kind of motherfucker that yeah. doesn't know that? And points, and then of course his fellow Asian brethren start yep. sniping everybody out. Yep. And and that's yeah, sniping is right because there's even a shot of like. <laughs> A guy looking through his sniper scope shooting, <laughs> then you see the eye of yeah. the guy. Yeah. He, like, he Get shot the out. guy through yeah. the eye. Yeah. Oh, the, you see, like, through his head. Yeah. The classic sniper yeah, that's shot. Our, that's our uh, two members of our stunt team. They're uh, amazing. Uh, oh, they're playing those guys? Yeah, but oh. they're also, you know, they're tactically trained and like they you know it's a very easy thing for them to sell it's and it's funny because i don't i don't know whether it's uh my own sort of confirmation bias or whatever but when i when i look at that it's like oh those guys know what they're doing like yeah. I, <laughs> sometimes i catch myself and like i don't know what i'm doing like my hand like pinkies <laughs> off the gun or something <laughs> some weird stuff is happening yeah. uh, yeah. you're holding that backwards yeah, oh, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, no, i know i'm just a uh, character choice yeah, exactly. <laughs> job is different yeah, you know, like justifying everything style. uh we should it's not a Joe moment, but we should talk about the end of 103 of Hood getting arrested because it's not all we know we we know why his blood is in the car because she uh, uh, Rebecca had to 403. Uh, 403 sorry yeah uh Rebecca had to do surgery on him because he got shot with her her fainting in the hospital all that but then we learned that did he knock her up <laughs> I, the, the fuzzy timeline so far on uh, season four has been so exciting where yeah. it's like something happened in those three months yeah or, <laughs> three months when ago, he was in two, a drunken stupor at some point is it that or are we about to find out like after she sews him up well no because then she wouldn't be show, like I wouldn't even know how to <laughs> I don't know enough about A the female body B the banshee <laughs> timeline <laughs> I don't know how where babies come from <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're rapidly learning but that that's that's a pretty crazy reveal. The creators will be very happy that you're having this conversation. This exactly <laughs> all going to plan. Oh, yeah, it's not. Yeah, there's no way it can just be a straightforward explanation. <laughs> right, no, of course not. This no. is Banshee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's, it's wild. That's, and so this, this episode also is the one that starts with the porno filming. Yes. And we see Carrie full vigilante. Yeah, that's a great kind of like De Palma at, at nod almost where you like you think you're watching this fucked up. Um, yeah, you like, think we're seeing the serial killer because right. he's got that crazy ass mask, mask on, and there's yeah. a blonde woman tied to the bed. But then it, it's a double kind of uh, twist since then it's a movie, but they are also drugging and raping <laughs> right, these right, people right. in the movie. It's a movie, so, oh, okay, who? But she's underage, it's illegal, there's <laughs> drugs, she's being raped. You're like, oh, fuck, back on to being terrified of these people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, I think that just the, you know, the love of action movies, for example, the love of pulp or the love of those those genres. You know, there's always these nods and winks to it throughout the show, and I felt like that was a, that was a particularly good one because I, I feel I felt it was like a nod and a wink to our own show. You know, like right. uh-huh. you this you could totally take this at face value in a show like ours, and then you kind of go, "No, nah, just kidding." We were talking about we're this last night watching right. the the premiere episode uh, of everyone in the audience laughing mm-hmm. when uh, the the white supremacist has the fantasy about killing his boss. Where I, we I, we talked about everyone laughing because you don't know on this show it whether like it it's could a fantasy really be happening. Yeah, really <laughs> it could. Yeah, be any real. other show you would know, like okay, he's gonna snap too and be like, that was just me exploring a violent fantasy. But in Banshee, we're like, he someone would kill their boss in front of all of their other employees with a fountain pen. And you know what? For me, that that thing. For one thing, Chris Coy's fantastic, um, and uh, I'm really excited for people to see what he and Tom Tom do in this show. Again, the, the, they're setting up some good Bunker Brothers Well, the theme stuff. of like family, again, I mean, they're mm. in some ways, they're one of the newest family, dysfunctional families <laughs> to be introduced to fancy. But they, they, uh, they found their other family, which was the Nazis. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> you know, and there's this sense of um, what's so great about that scene, I thought was, uh, you know, Chris is, is really does have this sort of real coiled energy in him. And so you kind of you, you buy it that this character might do that. You buy it because it's the type of show as well. But I think people are, you know, in in many ways, that scene ceases to be about a white supremacist killing an Asian person. It's just about killing your boss. Right. It's right? more about uh, it's yeah, more about the tricorderlies than boss, anything else. Right? And, it didn't even occur to me that it, racial motivation until he right. says whatever the gook or what, right. what the, wouldn't let me leave. But but uh, 
It's not until that moment I was like, I, it just feels like a guy who's like, all right, shut up about the fucking quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that's your way into It's that like guy. office space. <laughs> I mean, they found, I, I felt like it was a real nice little sleight of hand because now suddenly you're with this guy. Yeah, you relate to him. You're, you're with this guy. Yeah, because that, that, that you boss shouldn't is be with. really yeah. irritating. Yeah, yeah. yeah know, he, boss uh, that boss so well. has played yeah. so well. Like, yeah. again, another Banshee, just like a one-off guy. He's right. like, I'd really like it if yeah. you did. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, weren't we late last time? Pretty sure we were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that's, and that's another one where we cut to his POV and it's like, ringing anger yeah. and like mm-hmm. blurry vision anger but not doing anything at the end he's like mm-hmm. you know like that kinetic banshee right. filming is so awesome you know he's moment. you know he's a he's a character that it it's a tough how do you make a white supremacist sympathetic enough to get inside and go with him for the journey he has to go on right, right. because if you don't care about him on in a very strong way then you you lose the ability to really invest in the problem between him and and Bunker, like Tom's character, right? Um, Calvin and Bunker. So it's like you have to kind of see from his side as well to have that Like that, that moment tension. when he says, like, I had no choice. You mm-hmm. know that. That's right. like a big, where you're like, yeah, he is in a bind. And I'm like, wait a minute, why am I sympathizing exactly. with him? Yeah. Exactly. And it's also, we talked about this uh, briefly with Ulrich uh, in person. Hopefully we'll get him on the podcast. But we're like, how do you ever... F- feel sympathy for a character who is a Amish uh, gangster potentially a little incestuous kills anyone is a criminal mastermind and then when his niece dies you're like this poor guy Mm -hmm. he's been through so much you're like wait no no he's the bad guy I mean for me that all boils down to that scene he had with his father like early on you know and Mm -hmm. he's, he's like you know like everything you have is because of me and it's it's just it's such a um it's such an elemental father-son struggle. And it's like, I think especially for, um, if you're if you're a man in particular, I think it resonates really strongly, you know, and you kind of, it, it gives you this weird free pass for so many things. Not because you think they're actually right, but because you understand it. Yeah. You can understand it. And if you can understand it, then it's very hard to just flat out condemn it because then you're condemning yourself. You're also saying, you know, well, if I have this impulse in me, if I have this thought in me, this thing that echoes with this other person, does that make me evil? Does that make me whatever? Do you get that? Because you don't really have any dad issues at all. <laughs> no dad issues at all. It rarely ever comes up on this podcast or in conversation with me. <laughs> uh, an underlying theme of this, uh, in t- my everything I do in my life is severe dad issues. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. I think pretty much this podcast is like, will you listen to me now, Pop? <laughs> Look at me now. Other people pay attention to me. They they don't work nights. <laughs> that's why. That's why you control the drugs on the west side of Los Angeles. Right. So. Yes. Yes. And also, will you guys please come to my football game? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so uh, we should we should wrap up here soon. Uh, you, you're you're off to some sort of M country in the near future. Uh, whether, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anything else you want to uh, plug? I, I, obviously, tune in. This is the this is airing the Monday after episode three. So we got episode four coming up this Friday. Don't miss it. Ten o'clock Cinemax Friday nights for the next few weeks. But do you have anything else that you want? I just want to say, you know, um, especially uh, when I started this job and I started this this project. Um, I didn't know what the reception for Joe would be like. I braced myself for every eventuality, including like utter hatred and um, different, you know, groups that feel socially marginalized coming at me for for how you're portraying how I'm portraying it. And I was like, this is probably part of the job, you know, and and I'm not sure what's going to happen. And um, the fact that people embrace the character as they did um, and have continued to do has meant everything to me. And I, I, think i can speak for the rest of the team as well that um the support the you know we always felt like the underdog and sort of this 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 show that was just had to prove itself all the time and it's very difficult to put our show together without um you know throughout throughout these long days and all all of this pressure and (laughs) fatigue and explosions and all these things and just knowing that people were waiting for it and waiting to love it not just waiting to see what we did and then judge it, but waiting to love it. Um, it meant everything. It gave us it gave us every ounce of fuel um, that we needed and, and more than we had. Um, and so I just want to say personally, like, it's the best job I've ever had. And 
um, it's given me incredible amount personally. So, and that's really all from the people that have supported it, um, yourselves and, and other people uh, all around the world, actually. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would say just to, again, continue the smoke up ass process, sure. but, uh, I think part of the reason why you're that people appreciate the Job character so much because it is a you're walking a crazy line there. There's yeah. a, a ability to uh, you know just a character that is potentially offensive to certain groups or mm-hmm. whatever. I think it's a lot because of your uh, the writing too, but your portrayal of the character mm-hmm. and the way you play it is it, it's amazing. It's a great character. Yeah, I, mean, I think the fear, the, you know, the fear with something like that is like, is it a stereotype? Is sure. it a whatever? And it's so clearly a real person in the world of banshee but you know yeah real in banshee quotes yeah yeah people don't people don't recognize or they don't have visibility to the like you could have a lot of ideas as an actor you could have a lot of specificity in mind if you don't have an environment that allows that um that's all for naught and so you know the 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 things that people don't see about conversations where someone says instead of saying let's just do this they say try it you know and to to be working in that environment um with a character that uh, you know, made me nervous, you know, to approach on, at various times for various reasons. Um, you know, that, that made all the difference. Um, but everybody, I think, was kind of had it in their minds that if we, if we are able to put forth our best effort, then we can at least stand behind that, whether people like it or not. We can at least say we did what we thought was the right thing. And I think that if, when people tune into this season, um, I hope that, that what they understand is every season we have we have tried to avoid as much as possible resting on the the successes we've had in the past and trying to push that forward. is apparent at, so far yeah. like if yeah. you if you open up your uh fourth and final season with a main character's uh naked body cut yeah. open and it's like yeah. 18 months earlier that, that is yeah. you're you're taking swings and yeah. that's all that you can ask i think that's what everyone lo- that uh, that's what draws us to banshees that they're going to take swing you connect Almost every time. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm saying almost as if I have one moment in mind, but I don't. No. But it's like one of those things where it's like take, taking those wild swings is what I think the Banshee fans like. I, about I hope Banshee. so. I mean, yeah. and it's really that's that's what we're trying to do. It's not. It's motivated expressly by that. Like we know we have to, we have to take risks. Like we have to because um, this is exactly the type of show that you know, <laughs> if we don't, it's all done. It's right. all over. You know, like the moment that happens. So. Um, since we're wrapping up here, can we just make one corny request? Can you call us motherfuckers, please? <laughs> can Job call us a motherfucker? Bitch, I ain't a dog and I don't do motherfucking tricks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you so much. I'm sorry to have asked that corny question, but I needed to hear that. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks for listening, My guys. Pleasure. Banshee, Thanks, guys. Friday nights at 10. Ben Rogers, Sean Conroy, you know their Twitter handles uh, by now, ideally. Or so. no one's listening to this at all. Right. <laughs> and uh, this has all been a fun exercise in uh, discussing Banshee. Later, shitheads. That was a HeadGum Podcast.